We got the Penguins at Columbus tonight. And it is big. B-I-G. Big. It has a playoff feel. If the Penguins win tonight, not only do you get home ice, it bodes well moving forward. If you lose, well, dominoes fall and they won't fall favorably. It's a matchup where the strengths of each team are readily apparent. Columbus got Jones and Wawrenski on defense. Pittsburgh got Crosby and Malkin up front. Bobrovsky is a better goalie. Matthew Murray is a better playoff goalie. Columbus got Cole, Vonick, and Latestu at the deadline, and it really helped their team. It was a different approach. They got depth instead of that one big get, and it seems to be working. You got the coaching angle. Torts and Sullivan are cronies. And then there's the Dubinsky factor, although he's listed as their fourth-line center. Only five goals this season. By far the worst year of Brandon Dubinsky's career. Their centers are weak. They got the kid Dubois, who's a rookie. Wenberg, Latestu, and Dubinsky. Will Torch still match up Dubinsky with Sid? Given the season Dubinsky's had? Very interesting. Those guys are all threes and fours. There's no semblance of a number one center on Columbus. Uh, Dubois, or Du Bois, I don't care how you pronounce his name, he's got 20 goals, and, and that's okay, that's pretty good, but he's playing between Panarin and Atkinson, so he almost has to score 20. So I'm looking forward to tonight's game. Come watch the game with me, the Super Genius, and with Bud Light at the bar at the downtown Pittsburgh Marriott. Crafted North, it's called. Well, la-di-da, Crafted North. Look, it's a bar. It has TVs, and it's right across the street from PPG Paints Arena. And I'm going to be watching the Penguins game there tonight. The Penguins and Blue Jackets currently have identical records. Identical. 45-29-6, so something's got to give. It's the Mark Madden Show. The number to call is 412-333-WXDX. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. Uh, by the way, Sergei Bobrovsky wasn't the first goalie off the ice for Columbus at the morning skate. It was Jonas Corposalo. So maybe Corposalo starts tonight against Pittsburgh. Bob McGilligan from the Jackets broadcast team joins me at 3.30. He will discuss. The playoff picture is nutso. Not one team in the Eastern Conference Knows who it's going to be playing in the first round yet. And Florida could still catch somebody. I'd be curious to know what the approach is tonight in the Penguins locker room. The Penguins are 3-0 against the Jackets this year, but what's the mentality? Is home ice important to the Penguins? Is who they play in the first round? Is that important to the Penguins? You can't come out flat tonight if you feel like this game matters. What I want to see, given the important nature of the game, I want to see better defense by the Penguins. Better defense tonight and in the playoffs too. Not just the six guys on the blue line. Not just the defense core. I want better team defense. Specifically, I want to see a lot less odd man breaks. 
I don't want Pittsburgh to play Washington in the first round. If that happens, I would probably pick the Capitals to win in seven games. But that's still a week away. Uh, Broussard isn't yet skating. That's not good. Some feel that Riley Shane is capable to cover at third-line center if Broussard is injured, but I disagree. Jim Rutherford and Mike Sullivan obviously disagree because Rutherford, the GM, he went out and got Broussard. Shane is okay, but Shane is also exactly what he is, and that's a fourth-line center. Shane has 11 goals. That's okay, but let's not forget he had two goals in 80 games last year with Detroit, so he's not exactly Connor McDavid part two. Let's see how Matt Murray plays. Tonight strikes me as a big evening for him. If Matt Murray's going to truly get back on track, tonight is a good night for that to start. Columbus plays a brand of hockey that can frustrate the Penguins. Dubinsky and Jenner and Jack Johnson will take a whack at you, but last year in the playoffs, you may recall the Jackets came out and played extremely aggressive in the series' first couple of games, and then they settled down and played hockey and did a little bit better, although Pittsburgh still won in five games. Vonick has 14 points in 17 games since he joined Columbus. Uh, he's got zero heart, but Tomas Vonick's got a lot of hands. Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski are a great top pair, but they're banged up right now. The Penguins should just put a lot of pucks behind Jones and Wierenski and run them through the boards every chance they get. Soften them up for the playoffs in case you got to play Columbus. And practically speaking, you want Jones and Wierenski to turn their backs as much as possible. You don't want them to get the puck while facing forwards. I am really looking forward to tonight's game at Columbus. I like that big game feel. Join me at the downtown Pittsburgh Marriott Bar to watch the game or hear all the action right here on 105.90X. Well, the Pirates finally lost. They're 4-1, and one, and that's still pretty good. The Pirates were up 2-0 last night, and also 3-2 against Minnesota at PNC, but Nova blew up. The Pirates pulled a Keystone Cops bit where Nova, Cervelli, and Josh Bell surrounded a pop-up, but nobody caught it. And of course, the weather was terrible. 20,000 tickets supposedly got sold on Buck Night, but only about 5,000 people were there, if that many. Cincinnati is in time tonight, and the weather looks like it might be a little better, but it certainly will not be warm. Well, the Masters started today, and well, 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 Tiger Woods is currently tied for 48th. He's two over after 15 holes. That's not way out of it, but that's not too good. So where is your God now, priest? Uh, that's all I'm going to report from Augusta is how Tiger's doing. Nobody, literally, cares about anybody else, so I will just report on Tiger. Got a good lineup today. Bob McGilligan, the Blue Jackets radio play-by-play man, he'll join us at 3.30. We got Josh Yoey to talk hockey 
at 4.30 and just around the corner. Speaking of well, well, well. Guess what new show on ESPN is dying in the ratings just like I told you it would. I'll tell you next on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. This is Bob Hope. Uh, this is. How you doing? Oh, boy. Hey, uh, you know what? Why? This? Call back when you're coherent. The X at 105.9. This refers back to something I talked about in the show's open. Uh, there's an interesting article on theathletic.com by Aaron Portsline, who covers the Blue Jackets. He points out that in last year's playoff series, Columbus came out and tried to hit like crazy in the first two games against the Penguins, and it didn't work. After that, they just tried to play hockey, but guess what? They still lost in five games, so which way worked? Actually, they both didn't. So which way will the Jackets choose for this game tonight and if the teams play in a playoff series again this spring? Uh, It looks like Columbus will just try to skate with the Penguins tonight and moving forward if it comes to that. Another interesting point made by Portsline is that usually Tortorella, the Jackets coach, he matches Dubinsky against Crosby, but Dubinsky is having the worst season of his career, and he's getting fourth-line minutes, so maybe that matchup doesn't occur now. I hope you're excited about this game tonight. Again, it has a big game feel to it, and I can't wait to watch it. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Tiger birdied 16. He's now one over five strokes back in the lead. If he misses the cut while this show is on air tomorrow, I may literally climax on air. Literally. Climax on air. Uh, Nobody is watching that Get Up show on ESPN. That's the Good Morning America for Sports that debuted uh, this past Monday, co-hosted by Mike Greenberg and the Axis Powers, a.k.a. Michelle Beadle and Jalen Rose. Uh, Ratings are way down compared to SportsCenter on the same days in April of 2017, and I guarantee it's because people don't like Michelle Beadle and Jalen Rose. They are unlikable at a toxic level. If you want a woman and a black guy to co-host with the white dude, I get it. I got no problem. It's a good idea. Just get another woman and get another black guy. It's like the 6 p.m. sports center that they've already ripped asunder with Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. You want a black man and a black woman to co-host your 6 p.m. sports center? The 6? Okay, just not them because people don't like them. Uh, This get-up show is doomed to fail. Told you so. By the way, the airbrushing of Michelle Beadle in the publicity photos for Get Up, the airbrushing is at an insane level. Don't take out all the wrinkles. For God's sakes, she looks like a mannequin. Uh, Steven Spielberg says the next Indiana Jones might be a woman. Maybe it should be Michelle Beadle. She could be looking for work soon. People forget she was a hot property ESPN She went to Fox and failed miserably. And then ESPN inexplicably brought her back, and now they give her $5 bucks to do this show, which is failing miserably. Uh, That show, Get Up. People don't want 
a Good Morning America for sports if they watch ESPN. They just want sports. They don't want political commentary at 6 p.m. when they turn on Sports Center. People just want sports. It is unfathomable that ESPN, the sports network, hasn't figured out that people want sports. Then again, MTV dropped music a long time ago. Uh, in that vein, I love Stephen A. Smith, but yikes. Stephen A., check out this quote. Stephen A. said that Josh Rosen, the UCLA quarterback, would rather play in New York than Cleveland because there are more Jews in New York. Hava, Negila, Hava, Negila, Hava, Negila, Hava. And Mazeltov on top of that. What Stephen A. said, it's not anti-Semitic per se, it's just absurd. Uh, Connor, uh, excuse me, Brock Lesnar. We'll get to Connor McGregor in a minute. Brock Lesnar is leaving WWE to go back to Ultimate Fighting, UFC, after WrestleMania on Sunday. So I guess Brock will be losing the Universal title at WrestleMania. Lester and John Bones Jones would be a big money mega fight if they can just not be suspended for roids for a, a couple months. UFC needs to regroup a bit. No Rousey and who knows about McGregor. UFC still got good fighters, but not fighters that can draw money, and there is a difference. McGregor, by the way, this happened about an hour or so ago. He crashed a press conference in New York to hype a fight that will strip McGregor of the lightweight championship in UFC and give it to somebody else. McGregor showed up with his entourage. He went nuts, threw a bunch of crap, and wanted to fight one of the guys who's in the title fight like right now. And then McGregor ran with his entourage, not because he was scared, but because he didn't want to get arrested. That's the best reason I can think of to run, to not get arrested and to not get shot. No problem if you run then. 412-333-9939. Up next, one of our favorite visiting play-by-play men from the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's Bob McGilligan. Bobby Mack next, talking pens and jackets on 105.9. This is Phil Kessa of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden, the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. There's a big hockey game tonight in Columbus by God, Ohio. Penguins and Blue Jackets enter the game with identical records. Home ice in the first round is on the line. Joining me to discuss, he is the play-by-play man on the Blue Jackets radio network. It's Bob McGilligan. Uh Bob, Jonas Corposalo was the first goalie off at the morning skate, and Bobrovsky stayed on. Who's going to get the start tonight in goal against Pittsburgh? That's a great question. We were having that discussion. Um, I was just having it with one of our writers a little bit ago. That's the, the downside of not having media availability in the morning to get the true answer to that question. And if I, there have been so few morning skates. And I usually don't go when there's not a morning skate, but I was over there uh, this morning. So I can't tell you. I know Sergey always goes and he goes on the ice on the days he's going to play regardless. But I can't tell you if he stays out on the ice as long as he did today. Um, look, here's the deal, Mark, to be honest with you. I can see why they would go with Corpusalo tonight in one regard because Sergey Bobrovsky 
has struggled against the Penguins, not only in last year's playoff series, but if you look at the games this year, two times in Pittsburgh around Christmas, there were leads blown in the third period. And then the last time the Penguins were here in Columbus, it was a 5-2 to two win. It was not a great performance by Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, so I could see them doing that for that reason. However, to me, the bigger point is I think it sends a bad message if you don't put Bobrovsky right in there. If you don't go with your number one guy against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, who you might be playing again next week, uh, I just I don't see where that is necessarily a good thing. Especially, I mean, let's say that uh, Corpusalo does make the start and that he wins the game, and then you're in a playoff series against Pittsburgh next week, and the very first game, Bobrovsky loses. Now, that creates a whole bunch of noise that I don't think anybody wants. So I don't know the answer to the question yet. We'll find out soon. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I can see where it could uh, – I can see both sides, but I think it creates a lot more problems than it's worth if they don't go with him tonight. Dubinsky usually matches up against Crosby, but it's not been a great year for Brandon Dubinsky, has it? Well, that's being kind. It's been an awful year for Brandon Dubinsky. Uh, he has been, in fact, it's been so awful that, first of all, he had uh, a wrist injury and missed most of training camp, and he wasn't himself coming out of camp. Then Zach Cassian punched him in the face and basically broke his eye socket, and he was out for six weeks. So now one of the biggest parts of Brandon Dubinsky's game, which was the physical part and having to throw down the gloves, if it comes to that, has been taken away from him because he can't fight anymore. He has a plate in his face. Um, you know, that, that's gone. And I think that he has really struggled with that because, you know, that was, that was I don't want to say the one thing that he has left, but let's be honest, he's getting older. He's, he's not scoring as much. He's slowing down a little bit, but he could always be a pain in the rear end and he could always back it up. Now all of a sudden he has to change his game just a little bit. And he was healthy scratched. Just a short time ago, I'll tell you the truth, the reason he's in the lineup right now is because Nick Foligno is injured. If Foligno was healthy, he would be the other centerman, and Dubinsky wouldn't even be in the lineup right now. So that whole Crosby-Dubinsky matchup that we usually talk about when these two teams get together, if we're talking about it by the end of the night and talking about it tomorrow, then Brandon Dubinsky did something that he hasn't done all year long because he just has not been a really big part of anything that's happened here with the Blue Jackets. I like this Dubois at center, Bob, the rookie between Panarin and Atkinson. But is Dubois a true first-line center? Because that's what the Jackets have always really needed. Well, I'll put it to you this way. At the beginning of the year, John Tortorella was very reluctant to put him in that role. First of all, in junior, he had played center, but it didn't start until like two years ago. And he was a winger before that. So Tortorella started him on the wing. At the beginning of the year, he was a fourth-line winger. And then there were some injuries, and he felt that Dubois wasn't moving his feet enough. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois' dad is a coach. In fact, he's an assistant coach with the Manitoba Moose in the American Hockey League right now. So Torch moved him to the middle, and Pierre-Luc said to him, that's what my dad used to do with me when I was little, to get my feet moving. Well, he got his feet moving, and they've never taken him out of the middle. He has been the only guy on this roster that has found consistent chemistry with Artemi Panarin all year. He's got 20 goals. He gets better each and every game. He accepts more responsibility. He hasn't missed a beat. He is the number one center right now. Is he ready to be a number one center in the Stanley Cup playoffs? I don't know. We're going to find that out. But I can tell you this. Everything that they've asked him to do, he's not only done it, he has excelled at it. He has a terrific attitude. He is just... I'm, the guys love him. Uh, his personality is infectious. And if anybody can be that guy, this guy is going to be that guy.
How much has Artemi Panarin added? Uh, his finishing is incredible, and I think that nailed-on goal scorer who puts it in the net almost every time he should, uh, how many teams really have that, Bob? Not very many, as you well know. And that's, you know, to me, that's the biggest difference with the Blue Jackets now as opposed to the Blue Jackets from last year's playoffs or the one from two seasons before that that played the Penguins. Uh, this guy is a finisher. But the funny thing is, Mark, he passes so much more than he shoots. It, it's amazing to me how many what look like good opportunities he has that he gives up and makes a pass to somebody. Cam Atkinson's finally figured it out on the other wing, by the way. Uh, you know, Cam is on a roll right now. He scored a lot of goals in a short period of time, and he's benefiting from Artemi Panera drawing double coverage and for getting him just ridiculous passes through traffic. So uh, Panarin, he just ha- he's in- brings this team an element that they have never had before. I know he's done great in his short NHL career against the Penguins, but, you know, in the last couple of games, you go back to last Saturday in Vancouver. The Blue Jackets are down 4-1 to one with under six minutes to play. Artemi Panarin has been double-covered all game. He's done nothing, nothing the entire game. When the game is over, he has four assists. And the other night against Detroit, the team is down 4-1. to one. They climb back into the game. It's 4-3, third period. Blue Jackets go into power play. They give it back to Panarin in the neutral zone with speed. He comes all the way up the ice, takes a shot gets the rebound, puts it in the net to tie the game. That's what he wants to be. He wants to be a difference maker. And that's the other thing that makes him so dangerous. Not only that he wants to be one, that he is being a difference maker for this team right now. We're talking to Bob McGilligan, the Columbus Blue Jackets radio play-by-play man here on the home of the Penguins, 105.9. Seth Jones has 16 goals. Zach Wierenski has 15. What a top pair for the Jackets on D. But they're playing a bit banged up, aren't they? They are. Uh, Wierenski's been banged up all year. Uh, to be honest with you, there were times this year where he wasn't shooting the puck, and I think a lot of that was because he was in pain. And John Tortorella all said 100% he has to learn to play, to play through some things. And to be honest with you, at times that sounds almost mean. It's like, look, why don't you just shut the kid down? He's 20 years old. Let him, uh, let him regroup. But they couldn't do that because there's nobody that takes his spot in that lineup. So now he's at the point where he's played through whatever it is all year long. He's shooting the puck again. He's finding the back of the net uh, at important times for this team. And he's been great. And Seth Jones, yeah, he's been banged up in the last couple of weeks. Carl Soderberg gave him a cheap shot after a game-winning overtime goal against Colorado a couple of weeks ago. I don't think Seth has practiced one time since he took that cheap shot. Uh, he missed a couple of games, but he's out there and he's playing in games. And again, he's a difference maker. That Vancouver game that I talked about, Panarin, Jones had four points at the end of that game too. That's a career high for him. So he's banged up, and you would never know it just because of the way he goes out there and he carries himself. And I, you know, as good as those two guys are, uh, to me, Seth Jones has stepped to a new level this year in both his on ice play and the way he carries himself off the ice. This guy is a true leader. I can really see it now where, you know, when he came into the league with Nashville, he and uh, Shea Weber spent a lot of time together. In fact, he uh, lived with Shea Weber when he first came into the league there in Nashville in the early years. So um, you can really see that that has rubbed off on him, and he is, he's got a lot of upside, this kid, and he has done a terrific job. What has Ian Cole added to Columbus? Because I like Colsey, great player, great guy. But you'd have thought we traded Bobby Orr with some of the fans here in Pittsburgh. Their reaction. 
I watch your Twitter feed. I listen to your show. I read all the stuff, and I know exactly what you're talking about. And it, listen, to be completely honest with you, I know even when we played there in December, there was a point he was getting healthy scratched, and, and I think you and I had talked about his uh, where he was with the Penguins and with Mike Sullivan and, and you know what was going on with him. Was he in the doghouse, whatever? But from the moment he has gotten here, he's been a difference maker. And all that he has brought, to be completely honest with you, is physical play, which Jack Johnson has fallen off. It just Last year, Jack Johnson and David Savard were the shutdown defensive pair for the Blue Jackets. They were not the same. In fact, they got taken apart earlier this year. And the Blue Jackets couldn't find any firm footing on the back end with a shutdown pair. The minute that Ian Cole arrived, he was put with David Savard. They have never been separated. Cole is providing what Jack Johnson provided last year that made that pair so good. The other thing that the coaches talk about with Ian Cole is he communicates. He talks a lot. He's always talking on the ice. He's always talking on the bench. And this team, I don't know if it's because they're young or whatever, they're a quiet team. They weren't really communicating and talking to each other to get through situations. He has helped to change that part of it. Guys now understand a little bit more what they need to do. And the other thing that he has brought is he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. I mean, he's brought experience. He, uh, he took a team. He was one of three guys that were required at the trade deadline that took a team that has been either the youngest or one of the youngest teams in the league all season long and all of a sudden gave it some bite with some, be- some veteran presence and guys that just were able to tell everybody else, calm down, everything's fine, we're going to get through this. And that's why this team is 13-1-1 in the last 15 games. Well, in that vein, the Jackets didn't add a big gun, a big name at the deadline, but you got Cole, Vonick, and Latestu. How did that reshape the team and with that disrupting chemistry? Because sometimes bringing in a big number of guys can do more harm than good. The Penguins might have learned that back in 2013. Well, the Latestu trade was a no-brainer. Mark Latestu, when he left two years ago as a free agent to go to the Edmonton Oilers, that was a blow to this team. He was playing very well after he was picked up off waivers by or from the Penguins by the Blue Jackets a few years earlier. I don't think anybody wanted him to go. It was the fact that you know Edmonton offered more term, more money, and the Blue Jackets weren't willing to give what Edmonton was to a fourth-line player at the time. Now, that being said, here he is. Uh, going to be an unrestricted free agent, so the cost was cheap. And they knew what they were getting in Mark Letestu, a guy that can play all over the place. He can play wing, he can play center. He's very good at, at face-offs, which this team was terrible at for uh, most of the year. And he can play on the power play. He is a penalty killer, a utility guy. They needed a utility guy. So he provided that right off the bat. Uh, Ian Cole, as I said, they were looking for somebody that was going to be a little bit more physical on the back end and knew how to make a quick pass out of the zone. And, you know, you you watch Ian Cole. You know that he's not going to make a, a terrific uh, stretch pass maybe from his goal line to the opposing blue line. But what he's going to do is get the puck on his stick and off, the, off his stick very quickly. So that added to what they were doing on the back end there. And then uh, the other thing with Thomas Vanek, to me that's the guy that they kind of took a waiver on because this team wasn't scoring goals at all. And Thomas Vanek throughout his career – has been a guy that has put up points, and he's put up a lot of points, and especially on the power play. And this power play was 31st in the league throughout most of the season. So, you know, they bring him in, they take a chance on him, and every single one of those guys has paid off, and they paid off in a big way. Uh, I give Yarmo Kekalainen a lot of credit because he was really able to add to this team, bring in the veteran presence, 
fill a lot of areas that he was looking for. And to be, as my 16 year old said to me earlier today, we were talking about this. He said, uh, Daddy basically gave up a bag of pucks, a few sticks, and a practice jersey to get these guys. <laughs> well, good stuff from your kid. Uh, finally, uh, Bobby, how big is tonight's game? Because it's not just the difference between second and third. It could be the difference between second and fourth, second and fifth, dropping all the way down to that second wild card. How big is it, and what's the approach by Columbus and the coach, John Tortorella? Well, it's absolutely huge. I, I mean, I can't believe that there are two games left in the regular season and that you could be in the second wild card spot by Saturday night. It's just, it amazes me that uh, everybody is in this situation. I know it's, it's very exciting. I'm sure the league loves it. But, uh, you know, the way that it's being approached here, this game is not being approached any differently than any other game in the last three weeks. And, and this, is, this is the truth. I'm not making this up. John Tortorella has been pounding away at this one game at a time. Uh, the next important game is the next game that the team is going to play. And he did this last year uh, when this team was in, a, in the midst of that 16-game winning streak. And they bought into it. So it wasn't so much of, uh, you know, having to sell it to the players. Uh, they just kind of locked back into the mindset that they were last year when they were having success. And as I said, he's, uh, he drives that message home every day. As a matter of fact, like I told him when I interviewed him the other day, I, I hope you qualify for the postseason and get in there because I can't wait for your message to change because then he'll have a different <laughs> theme every day. I've been hearing the same theme for three weeks. But you know what? When something's work, you, when something works and it ain't broke, you don't fix it. Bobby Mack, great stuff as always. I appreciate you taking the time, and who knows, maybe we'll see you next week. Oh, Double M, I'll tell you what. I I would have no problem with that. I would. That, I think that would be fun to get together again, and I appreciate you having me on today. I would rather crush Philadelphia like an insect. <laughs> That's Bob McGilligan. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X. Tiger Woods' first run at Augusta National is done. He finished at one over par. He's five off the lead. Certainly not out of it, but certainly not the big first day that the Tiger-aholics had hoped for. Willie Gay, the former Steelers, signed with the Giants. New York. I, I can't believe anybody would want Willie Gay. I thought he's been terrible for a couple of years now, but... Uh, the league has 32 teams, and somebody got to play cornerback, and I guess in New York, be it off the bench or in certain packages, it's going to be Willie Gay. We spoke a bit earlier about how a couple hours ago, there was a UFC press conference in New York City, uh, Brooklyn, at the Barclays Center. Conor McGregor crashed it. His entourage tore the place apart. They were throwing things around. They tried to get one of the fighters in this lightweight fight that's going to fill the crown left vacant by McGregor. Left vacant, it should be noted, because McGregor wants to fight again. He just wants paid more than UFC is willing to give him. So McGregor went insane. The police came. He ran. Now UFC President Dana White says there's a warrant out for Conor McGregor's arrest. His plane has been grounded at the New York airport. And Dana White says that Conor McGregor is done with UFC. Which I will believe when I see. But uh, considering Brock Lesnar 
is leaving WWE to go back to UFC. If I'm Vince McMahon, the minute Conor McGregor gets bailed out, I have him on a plane to New Orleans and WrestleMania. That would be tough, though, because Conor McGregor has really criticized pro wrestling. Said, we know all those guys are sissies, or words to that effect. But uh, the weird thing about McGregor doing what he did, and he probably has enough money for the rest of his life, although having an entourage is expensive. To quote Nick Papa Giorgio in Vegas Vacation. Where's he going to make that kind of money? But UFC. Then again, he can self-promote like Floyd Mayweather with the right opponent. Then again, outside UFC, who knows who the right opponent is? Still wouldn't shock me if him and Mayweather did it again. It would shock me if it was as financially successful as it was the first time around. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. We talked to Bob McGilligan, the Columbus Blue Jackets play-by-play man. What's your take on tonight's game between the Penguins and Blue Jackets? How important is the game? How important is home ice? How much do you care who the Penguins play in the first round? And what is Columbus's best approach to... Come on hitting like they tried at the beginning of last year's playoffs or come on skating as they did in the end of last year's playoff series against Pittsburgh. People like to say that the Blue Jackets played a little bit better after they hit less and skated more, but let's face it, neither way worked. An unusual development at Blue Jackets morning skate, Bobrovsky wasn't the first goalie off the ice, which is usually the starter that night. McGilligan said, well, if you start Corpusolo tonight and he beats the Penguins or plays real well, what do you do in the playoffs? You know what I do if I'm John Tortorella? I play whatever goalie gives me the best chance to win. And Bobrovsky's proven time and again that against the Penguins, that's not Sergei Bobrovsky. You got New Jersey going with Kincaid over Schneider. You got the Capitals going with Grabauer over Holtby. Why not play Corpusolo over Bobrovsky if he gives you the best chance to beat the Penguins? We'll see what Tortorella does tonight. Uh, getting back to the Masters for a second, somebody circulated a fake list of all the phrases banned at the Masters. Along with Dilly Dilly, included on this list is... Sweep the leg, Johnny. Heck, yelling that at the Masters should not only be allowed, but encouraged. Uh, remember when Bob McNair, the owner of the Houston Texans in the National Football League, remember when he said during a league discussion about players taking a knee for the anthem. McNair said then, quote, we can't have the inmates run to prison. Well, the African-Americans on his team took that quite personally, and the whole team threatened to walk out. And McNair apologized. Well, now, McNair says he's sorry. 
He's sorry he apologized. McNair says the main thing he regrets is apologizing and that he, quote, really didn't have anything to apologize for, unquote. And that, folks, is rich white America in a nutshell. Yahoo! Uh, some sad news to report. I, I knew it yesterday, but didn't want to jump the gun until it was confirmed. Uh, Tom Sullivan of the North Hills, who wrestled uh, as Luscious Johnny Valiant, one half of the Valiant Brothers tag team, he passed away yesterday after a traffic mishap uh, on McKnight Road. Uh, Tom was 71 years old. I knew Tom as a Valiant brother. He was Johnny Valiant. Jimmy was his brother, not really his brother. There was a third Valiant brother for a while, Jerry. Great performer, great interview especially, WWE Hall of Famer. But I also knew Tom Sullivan as a comedian and a very dedicated youth baseball coach. Uh, Tom Sullivan was a longtime Ross Township resident. Uh, I really liked Tom. Just a great guy. I was really disappointed to hear about his death. And uh, Tom Sullivan, a.k.a. Luscious Johnny Valiant, he was a good man. And he's going to be missed. 412-333-9939. We think we know what the Penguins' line combinations are going to be for the playoffs. I'll tell you one combination that if they use it, I don't like it. 105.90X. This is Patrick Hornquist of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. 